Welcome to another uh, segment of Big Time Basketball. Um, this week, my name's Nathan. I'm going to be your host today. And we're here with Mete and Terry. What's up? How's it going? All right. So uh, we're going to go over um, game six. And we're going to do a recap of the NBA finals. Uh, we'll talk about some. Uh, fantasy awards for basketball and we'll talk a little bit about the recent trade that happened so how does that sound sounds good let's get it done all right so uh we'll go into game six of the nba finals um the bucks were finally um able to win another ring against the suns congratulations to Giannis and the bucks um the Bucks won 105 to uh, the Suns 98. Um, we'll start with you, Terry. Um, what are your thoughts on the Bucks' performance? Uh, Bucks' performance were tremendous in Game Six. Uh, as we all know, Giannis hit a 50-piece on the Suns to basically capitalize this playoff streak that he had in the past couple of games. I believe Game Four was the block. Game Five, I forgot what the moment was, and then Game Six, we see that 50-piece. And with that being said, I mean, he just took over the game and then he realized if Aiden can't get it done defensively against me, yeah, let me just bully him all night. And that's what he did. And then that's what helped the uh, Bucks capitalize on their second championship. Uh, congratulations, Wisconsin, and you are NBA champs again. Good luck next year. Sounds good. And uh, we'll go to you, Mate. Um, what are your thoughts on the Suns' performance? Yeah, so I thought the Suns were not very efficient. They had 15 turnovers. They only shot 24% from the three-point line, and they shot 44% overall from the field, uh, especially Devin Booker. He only went 36% uh, field goal percentage, and then he had a rough shooting night as well from the three-point line. He went 0 of 7 from three six turnovers as well so that's a performance to forget for him and then I thought that the Suns bench wasn't good enough I've been saying this all series uh they have a really good starting five but I think outside of Cameron Payne their bench isn't as good as it needs to be so I want to see if the Suns can address their bench this offseason yeah and I noticed that against the Bucks when it kind of um the game started to slow down. Um, it was so hard for them to stop Giannis. Basically, whatever they tried, it just wouldn't work. Giannis would just find a way to score anyways. And when it comes to that point, when you can't really stop stop a guy like Giannis, you kind of have to try to outscore them. And being able to shoot threes consistently was the only way to do that. And they just weren't able to do that, unfortunately. And um, I guess for... I guess for the Bucks, this is uh, amazing. This is basically the fulfillment of the Disney story we were kind of um, talking about. Um, I guess with Giannis being able to prove that he can um, win something in the league. And this is, I think, the first ring that they got since basically uh, Kareem won one, if I'm correct. Yeah, so, yeah. I think it was between like Kareem and Oscar Robinson. It was basically pretty long ago, give or take 
I would say at least 40 years, 50 years, if anything. So yeah, basically since the seventies. So this is the end of a, basically a 50 year drought. So um, again, congrats to the bucks. And I guess for the Suns, I mean, Mete, you said they had a depleted roster, but they were still able to make the NBA finals. So they just need to add like a couple of guys on the bench and we might see them in the finals again. Yeah, it is possible, but I feel like it's going to be much harder, especially with uh, the NBA getting healthier. There was a lot of injuries this year, so their path to the finals is going to be very hard, I feel like, next season. Yeah, I think um, it's going to be tough for the Bucks as well. Um, the Nets did have a few injuries. I think everybody was expecting to see the Nets in the finals, if not win the entire thing. I was one of those people. But I guess, um, Terry, what do you think about um, the Bucks' chances to be repeat championships next year? It's going to be tough, as you guys said. Uh, injuries did take or did play the entire NBA this past season whether it was regular season injuries like T.J. Warren, Jamal Murray, et cetera, et cetera, or playoff injuries like guys like LeBron, I believe, Chris Paul's nagging wrist injury. And then, as you guys said, Kevin Durant, their big three over there. Uh, as we all say, injuries are a part of the game. And for people that think there is an asterisk to be involved in these things, I mean, honestly, if that's the case, then a lot of championships would be tainted over over the NBA's history. And with that being said, I mean, being healthy is a part of the game. And if you're not healthy, uh, that's your availability right there. Yeah. I mean, you can't really fault um, either team for, um, I guess, playing against teams that weren't at 100%. Because, like, there's nothing you can really do about that. You can't go go in and, like, put in, like, some kind of, like, magic pill that makes the other team better just so you can play them. Like, this isn't Dragon Ball Z. You can't just give the other guy a Senzu bean and hope that they have the energy to play. So, I mean, every team did what they could, but unfortunately, the injuries just kind of um, piled up throughout the playoffs. So, I mean, kind of unfortunate, but again, there's always next year. I think the East is a, a lot stronger than I think in previous years, so at least there's that. Exactly. With the absence of LeBron James, we've basically seen the growth of the Eastern Conference. Um, unfortunately, there's always going to be those teams that do stack up a little bit better than the rest, but it's all a part of the game sometimes. Yeah, I guess um, it'll kind of be interesting um, next playoffs to see, I guess, just who makes it into the playoffs in general and just kind of um, who gets to make it to the finals because I don't think we're going to have a predictable finals again. I guess maybe we might see the Nets go really far again, but you never really know what's going to happen, I guess. NBA. It's the NBA. So I guess that's pretty much both game six and our recap right there. So uh, we're going to go into our fantasy awards. Um, I'll start with the player of the year. Um, for player of the year, I decided to pick um, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, he played uh, really well. He had uh, really high um, stat totals for the season. I think for total stats, he got um, over 600 points, if 
I'm correct. And I think his points per game was 28.1. So a uh, really good job by Giannis. He was basically um, doing a bunch of stuff. If you had him, you're probably really happy. And I guess we'll go over to you, Terry. Yeah, so for I think I was in charge of finding uh, Fantasy's playoff MVP. And with that being said, I believe I had for uh, runner-up Jason Tatum. In his last 10 games, I believe he had, give or take, a field goal of 50%, 45 from three, and like around 80 from charity strike. And then just points, rebounds, and assist-wise, I think he had around 30 points, 31-ish. And then rebound-wise, I think he had seven and assist-wise, four. But um, for MVP for the playoffs, I think I went with Stephen Curry. As we all know, he basically torched the entire league probably in the last two months of the NBA. And I think he had around 37 points, give or take, uh, eight assists, five rebounds, something like that. But, yeah, that's who I had for playoff MVP. Sounds good. And uh, we'll go to you, Messi. Yeah, so I can start off with my first category, which was the injury player of the year. And I went with Jamal Murray as my actual winner. Uh, coming off a great run in the bubble uh, two seasons ago now, Jamal Murray had career highs in field goal percentage, three-point uh, percentage, assists, steals, and points. But a gruesome ACL injury cut his season short, and he missed 35-plus games uh, due to that. So he had an amazing year, but the injury just cut it short for him. And then my runner-up was Miles Turner. It seems like Miles Turner was battling injury all season as he was out on multiple occasions, it feels like, and he had career highs in steals and blocks. I feel like he's becoming one of the premier defenders at the center position in the NBA uh, as he averaged 0.9 steals a game and 3.4 blocks. Uh, Had he played more games, I don't think it would have been hard to imagine that Miles Turner would have finished top three for the Defensive Player of the Year award. Sounds good. And uh, I guess I didn't mention a runner-up, so I guess I'll put Jokic. He's easily done as good a job as Giannis so um, he's got to be at least a runner-up I know a lot of people are gonna put him as the player of the year but I'll just put Giannis to be different and we'll move on to um, I guess the waiver wire pick of the year and for that I have um, Kelly Olenek Um, basically once he got traded to Houston he it was like he became a brand new player. I think he averaged 19 points per game. He had eight rebounds, four assists. So um, again, amazing improvement by Kelly Olenek. And uh, we'll move on to you, Terry. Yeah, in the next category I had in charge of, I believe I had disappointing player of the year. Now, first off, I would always like to say most of these players, I mean, just making it to the league is an honor. With that being said, I mean, it doesn't matter if they do great or not. Some of these guys are just doing it financial-wise. But unfortunately, when it comes to fantasy, there's some guys that do disappoint. Unfortunately, we have, uh, most people do mention it. So I'll just try to get it over with quick and balanced as possible. Cold runner-up, I think I had Bradley Carlock. Uh, I think he was drafted 
majority within the top 70. And most people, when drafting him, they probably assume he's going to elevate his play. But with the emergence of Jaron Jackson Jr. later into the year, unfortunately, he's played, I would say, stagnated. Uh, unfortunately, he only had probably 10 points, I believe, five rebounds in total, and then had one and a half assists. Um, compared to last year, I think he had 12, uh, five as well, and then probably the same amount of points. But unfortunately, with a young player like that, a lot of people expect growth, and unfortunately, they didn't get it that year. The guy who did get it, uh, disappointing player of the year, it was Hassan Whiteside. I swear to God, I've seen some people drafting him with the third, uh, third round pick. And understandably, especially if you're on the Sacramento Kings, um, unfortunately, a lot of people didn't factor in Rashawn Holmes. And with that being said, uh, the coaching of Luke Walton can be shoddy at sometimes where he doesn't know how to utilize some players. So this does factor in when it comes to the Suns white sides, decrease in production. Um, just comparing last year to this year, I mean, uh, white side, I think I, he had 15 and a half points and 13 rebounds with the Blazers. Not sure who he was on, but you get what I'm about to say. And then on a team with the Kings right now, I think he had eight and six. And then honestly, it kind of undervalues his play, even though we know what he's capable of. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Hassan Whiteside, he's, it's been kind of, um, I mean, it's kind of been a little disappointing to kind of watch his progression. I mean, as his career has been going on, I mean, he was basically an all-star when he was on the heat and uh, now he's just been trying to find his way. Unfortunately, Um, things haven't worked out for him so far, but um, hopefully he can have a good season next year. And uh, we'll move on to you, Mete. All right. So my second award I looked for was Rookie of the Year. And I'll go runner-up this time first. I went with Anthony Edwards as my runner-up. The number one pick from the 2020 draft, Anthony Edwards also had an amazing rookie year, especially after the All-Star break. I feel like he picked it up even more. Uh, It seems like as the season went on, Edwards got more comfortable and kept improving. He beat out LaMelo and LaMelo Ball in the scoring department. But outside of that, I feel like LaMelo's stats and play was more impressive. And then Edwards will also need to improve his efficiency, I feel like. He only shot 41% from the field and 31% beyond the three-point line. But I don't think that's a concern as he's got a bunch of talent and he'll definitely improve. And for my winner sorry were you gonna say something Nate no it's okay keep going okay so for my winner I went with LaMelo Ball uh the youngest ball brother he won rookie of the year uh in the NBA and he's also my rookie of the year for fantasy after suffering a terrible wrist injury later on in the year it looked like LaMelo's season was over but he came back as good as he left uh he averaged 15.7 points, 6.1 assists, and 5.9 rebounds, which is a very similar stat line to his oldest brother Lonzo's rookie year, but the difference was that LaMelo scored more and Lonzo had more rebounds and assists, which makes sense as I believe LaMelo is the better scorer, but Lonzo has good basketball IQ where he excels at non-sexy stats like rebounds and assists, and 
in order for Lamella to get better, uh, same as Edwards, his efficiency needs to improve. He only shot 43% from the field and 35% beyond the three-point line. And he also had 2.8 turnovers a game. So if the efficiency gets better, he's going to be even better. And yeah, I have no doubt that he'll improve. Yeah, I mean, both players, they had amazing seasons. Um, I guess LaMelo Ball, this is his first season and he's already playing this well. So they just need to kind of build the talent around him a little bit more on the Hornets. And we might actually see Horn the Hornets in the playoffs maybe in a few years. Yeah, they got close this season. Um, I think they lost to the Pacers in the 9-10 play-in game. So, yeah, they were a couple games short, but it can definitely happen. Yeah, it'd be um, really exciting to see um, LaMelo Ball I guess, keep progressing. I know he had a lot of doubters back in his like high school and he didn't end up playing in college. He ended up playing in the, in the NBL, but I guess people were kind of um, doubting the route that he was taking because most usually the progression is you play for a really good high school. Then you play for a really good college and then you enter the NBA. That's just kind of how it's always been. But um, I guess uh, LaMelo decided to kind of go take a different route, decide, decide to go play professionally overseas, make some money, and then uh, play in the NBA. And I guess he kind of proved that he has the talent to make it happen. Definitely. Yeah. And I guess we can uh, move on to the, I guess, the recent trade that just happened. So... Um, looks like the Memphis Grizzlies decided to trade uh, Jonas to the New Orleans Pelicans. And they also gave, um, I think, the 17th and 51st pick for the 2021 draft for, for Stephen Adams, Eric Bledsoe, and the 10th and 40th pick in the same draft year and a first round 2022 draft pick. And that's the Lakers draft pick. So I guess we'll start with um, you, Terry. I guess, what are your thoughts on um, the men? I guess, actually, we'll start with the Pelicans. What do you what do you think about um, the Pelicans end of the trade? Honestly, I still don't know what to think about the trade. Uh, if you're looking at from it from Nola's side of the ball, I mean, you do get an established center in Jonas Valanciunas. And I know for sure Mente probably idolized him when he was a, still a trauma Raptor. And with that being said, I mean, he's a complete package at center. Uh, he can get in for the dirty rebounds. He can put up those quick bank shots, like, within five feet. And then he can stretch the floor out a little bit. And I feel like Mente can basically testify to that. Um, it's an upgrade compared to Steven Adams, but I still don't know what to think about the draft picks that were involved just as a yet. I mean, they still get some draft capital in return, but I don't know who they would pick at 17 and 51st if that was the case. Um, with giving up Eric Bledsoe, I do not know what his contract is. So having said that, I can't tell if it was a cap dump or 
you know what I'm about to say, but honestly, I feel like it's a move to improve the relations between Zion and probably the team because we hear those little whispers about what's going on down in NOLA about the him being, I don't know if it was him or his family being unsatisfied, but you get the deal. This is just trying to help your star player just, you know, get more accustomed to the team. Yeah, I guess this is a kind of a case of um, they decide to kind of listen to the player a little bit and then hopefully um, it's what Zion, Zion wanted. It'll hopefully improve chemistry down in New Orleans. And I guess we can move to you, Mete. Um, what do you think about the Grizzlies' end of the deal? Yeah, so I think this is honestly a pretty good trade for both teams. Uh, specifically for the Grizzlies, they've been the ninth seed uh, in the West the last two years. And with this trade, uh, they should improve as Stephen Adams, he'll do the job for you as center. He's more of a traditional center where he's uh, grabbing rebounds, protecting the paint. But I saw this report saying he's trying to become a stretch big where he's um, shooting the ball more or practicing shooting the three more. So we'll see uh, how he comes back this season. And then hopefully Eric Bledsoe can live up to his contract as he's owed over $18 million this season. And I feel like ever since he left the Phoenix Suns, he hasn't been as, he hasn't been as effective and maybe uh, Memphis will be the place where he turns it around. And to answer your question, Terry, uh, I think this is a cap dump because um, Steven Adams also has a pretty big contract. I think I was checking it before we did this. He's owed like 25 million around there. So yeah, they get two huge contra contracts, sorry, off their books and it's going to cost them a couple draft picks like spots. But yeah, I think it's worth it for them, honestly. Nathan, I want to get your perspective on this trade. What do you think? Like, who won this trade? It's really hard to say because the, I guess, like the cap space kind of um, changed it. My original thoughts was like, why would you trade um, JV? He's just so versatile. He'll do pretty much anything you tell him to do. So in terms of talent, like Steven Adams isn't bad at all, but at the same time, like it feels a little bit of like a downgrade. I don't want to say that, but that's just kind of like my thoughts on it. But the other thing I'm thinking is that I don't feel like the Memphis Grizzlies were um, utilizing him the most anyways. The offense kind of runs through um, John Morant. So it's not like they're going to ask JV to do more than just um, rebounding. But at the same time, he's going to New Orleans and the offense runs around Zion. So he's probably not going to be um, doing too much inside scoring. He might uh, end up doing, I guess, rebounding on the defensive end. He might do be doing a little bit more um, shooting because he is able to do that. And I guess maybe from like the, the Memphis side, they're hoping, um, they're hoping, I guess, like, they're able to replace the talent of, I guess, JV being able to go inside and shooting with um, Steven Adams and Eric Bledsoe. Eric Bledsoe would be, he'd be like the guy who, who can shoot and Steven Adams would be the guy inside. And 
I guess you have um, John Morant. He's kind of like the center of, of like the focal point of your offense. But I guess for cap space, it would be good for New Orleans because you can kind of continue to build your team. Um, I guess New Orleans, they've been rebuilding for some time now. So it's still um, Zion's, like, I guess first or second year. I don't quite remember, but he's still a young star. So they're not really in win now mode. So they're trying to uh, build up the team as much as they can. So in terms of removing cap space, I think that would be good for New Orleans. But then I'm kind of not sure why Memphis would agree to that because they just need like maybe a couple of pieces. Maybe I was thinking it'd be good to kind of have some cap space still open, but I guess we'll just kind of have to see how things play out. One question though, do you feel like Eric Bledsoe improves his play with the Memphis Grizzlies or do you feel like he's just going to become a mentor like most veterans do in the league? Uh, Nathan, I want your thoughts first on this. It's hard to say. Um, I think with Eric Bledsoe, it's going to come down to pretty much can he shoot. My guess is that um, he might end up just being one of those like 3 and D guys again. I guess I'm not sure why, but that just ends up being like something that they ask people to do. I'm not, cause I'm not really too sure like what his role on the team would be. If John Moran is supposed to be like the, the main guy who's like the facilitator and he does some inside scoring. So I'm not too sure like what you would ask Eric Bledsoe to do other than like shoot from three, which would not necessarily be like the best thing to to ask him i think he can do a little bit more than that but yeah i'm just not too sure why they made the trade in general but i guess we'll have to see Mente, what are your thoughts on this memphis team looking going into next season actually uh that's a good question um i feel like they should improve uh Steven Adams and Bledsoe, they're honestly solid, and they've got good depth, I think. They've got Morant, they've got Dylan Brooks, Jackson Jr., uh, Slow-Mo Anderson. Those are the ones that are coming to my head. I feel like they're getting deeper, and I agree. I think Nate said um, that Valanchunas was a downgrade, or up. Steven Adams was a downgrade over Valanchunas, which is definitely a fact, I think. But, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think they've got the depth now. Uh, maybe they feel like Adams and Bledsoe fit their system more. And so they decided to go for them. You were saying how they should use their cap on other players. Maybe they really like these two guys, so they're willing to pay them the huge contracts they have. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes for Memphis, but I don't think they should uh, get worse from this trade. Makes sense, makes sense. Um, what are your thoughts on basically the move to help out, I guess, how should I say this, help improve the odds of Zion resigning, though, when it comes to mm. the Pelicans? Yeah, you're definitely right how – there has been reports saying he's unhappy with the Pelicans. And yeah, hopefully with the Pelicans being aggressive and trying to make moves to make the team better, they'll 
satisfy Zion and uh, yeah, they need to be willing like to sh trade, uh, improve the team or else Zion's going to get frustrated. It's only been, what, two years and he's already frustrated. So uh, rookies get four years and then you got to give them a restricted contract. So they're running out of time and they've got to make something happen and improve their team in order to uh, keep Zion, it looks like. Nathan, back to you. Hmm. I guess, um, I guess, like, and, and I guess both of you, I guess, what are your thoughts on kind of, I guess, when you guys were watching the Grizzlies, um, I guess, what did you think, like, oh, what was the biggest thing you can improve on? And I guess in respect to um, the trade that they just made. Um, it's basically what Mente touched on is the depth part. I mean, there's some guys on a team that you look to and it's like, they're probably too young to have the weight on them for being that, that piece to be relied upon scoring. And that's why you bring in blood. So he's an established vet. He'll know his role. And then that's why you bring him in. Um, honestly, I feel like the Adams move is iffy because, I mean, you do downgrade as both of you guys were saying. But, I mean, as JB's contract, I don't know if it was a max contract, but I believe he was getting paid more than Adams if that was the case. And if you, you know, lower the cap a little bit just for a piece like Adams and then you get that piece with Bledsoe, I don't know. Maybe you trade Bledsoe at the deadline. I'm not even sure at this rate when it comes to what Memphis does next with the backcourt. Because you've got guys like Grayson Allen as well, the Anthony Melton that can possibly like grow from listening to a guy like Bloodsoap, maybe, maybe not, but we'll see. Yeah, I guess like maybe um Bledsoe is gonna kind of be like he can still um score pretty well and he's also one of I guess a veteran that can kind of show the younger players just basically how to um play at the NBA level. So he might end up um being able to kind of um raise the floor of the rest of the players so maybe that's what they're thinking um and i guess in terms of like role and fit i'm just not entirely sure how eric bledsoe is going to i guess fit on the memphis grizzlies and i guess do you guys have any more um thoughts on just um anything in general Mente, you want to go first? Uh, honestly, no, I don't really have anything to say. It's been a fun year, and uh, we'll be back in October as the NBA is going back to their regular uh, start date in mid-October. So it's going to be a fast offseason. Yeah, for sure. And I guess, uh, Terry, do you have any final thoughts? Um, final thoughts on what we were just talking about. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Bledsoe does get traded quickly. Um, I feel like some beat writers already saying how he won't remain on the team uh, before the deadline. Not deadline, but before the draft. I feel like someone's going to say that at this rate, but I wouldn't be surprised if he stays on for the whole entire year. So any final thoughts, Nathan? Um, I guess uh, in terms of general, I'm kind of interested to see um, which teams end up making it into the playoffs that didn't make it last year. 
I mean, obviously, as a Raptors fan, it was disappointing to see the Raptors not make it after being in the playoffs for so long. And um, hopefully they'll be able to make it into the playoffs next year and, try, I guess, um, make a run. And it'll be interesting to kind of see what happens to the Grizzlies and the Pelicans as well. Um, I guess they're not necessarily... Well, I guess in the Pelicans side, they're not necessarily trying to make a deep run now, but it would be good to see if they can kind of like make a push for the playoffs, see if they can at least get in. And at least that would be some kind of progress. And I guess for the Grizzlies, they've been uh, they've been trying to do the playoff push for a while. So I guess it'd be interesting to see how far they can go in the playoffs if they make it in. And uh I think that's uh, about it for this week for um, big time basketball. So if you liked what you watched, um, you can leave a comment down below. Um, give us your thoughts on um, who you thought uh, was really good for your team um, this year in fantasy. Um, what are your thoughts on the trade? Uh, what are your thoughts on the NBA finals and kind of just the state of the NBA in general? Um, leave us a review, um, give us a like, um, subscribe, hit the bell for notification, all that stuff. And uh, if you liked listening to us, you can follow us on Spotify, on Apple Music, and on Google Podcast. And if you need sports picks, uh, you can follow us at FanFanPodcast on both Twitter and Instagram. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you.